Hey, what's up, people of planet Earth? Or, or I don't know, Mars? Gotta be inclusive of aliens, too. I mean, 2020, don't want to offend anyone, even aliens. Well, wherever you're from, welcome to For Real, though, with me, your host, Rocco Ruiz. And on today's show, it's a very special episode because we have not one, not two, well, actually, two special guests. The first one has been a guest multiple times before. And he's um, a visual artist and muralist that's like pretty booming right now. And he's been booming for a few years now. He's got murals all over the world. You go to yeah. India, you go to New York. Oh my God, see his all stuff. over the world. Yeah, man. <laughs> and our second guest, it's his first time on the show. Um, and he's the millennial food critic of Metro Manila. And you can find his stuff on Recreate, which is also a booming YouTube channel right now. The growth for yeah. that channel is huge. So without further ado, please welcome Jappy Agoncillo and Chef Rod. What up? So today on the show, we're going to be talking about a topic that's very, I guess, a, a topic we're very passionate about, us three. And that is Quentin Tarantino's best movies. And these two love Tarantino. I mean, I love Tarantino, but to my knowledge, these two love th that guy's movies even more than me. So we're going to be talking about Tarantino's best films of all time. So before we start with the enumeration of the films, any like stuff you guys want to say about Tarantino in general before we dive into it? Um, I just say uh, like this is kind of off topic from Tarantino, but I love the way you're hosting the show. It's incredible. <laughs> hey, man. You're, hey, man. You're an amazing host. You, you coming on to me right now? <laughs> no, it's an honor to be on the show. He's, he's just showing off for you, man. When it's us, he's like, yo, I don't know. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk or do I talk? You talk first? I talk first? No, you go. You go talk first. I'd like to also state on the record that uh, Jappy is the one who's the avid Tarantino fan between the three of us. Jappy, you want to start? You know, everyone already assumes that his name uh, is associated with pre prestige. And, you know, I think... Personally, I think that's that's about right. But not everything he does is absolutely perfect. So we're going to get mm -hmm. into that also. So people might think, oh, it's a Tarantino podcast. They're probably just going to kiss his feet for, for 45 <laughs> minutes. But no, we're going to, I'm going to try to tell it as, like it is. So yeah. Yeah. Chef, anything you'd like to add to that? Chef. <laughs> well, Jappy already um, enumerated the kind nice. of discussion we'll be doing for okay. today. But yeah, I mean, when you say Tarantino, you don't even have to be like a film enthusiast or student or critic to actually know what kind yeah. of films he makes. He's the, he's the kind of guy who absorbs all kinds of film knowledge and you could clearly see it in his film. So if and there's it, a guy who could actually um, introduce world cinema to U.S. audiences, it's, it's only him. It's him. Because like... Yeah. I actually think if you talk to millennials, I think he's the most known director. I mean, sure, there's Spielberg, Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, but he's like top of mind, the millennials' favorite director, I think. Like the mainstream. I think it's because he's in that age that the younger, like us, when we were, Spielberg was in his prime when we were kids. Yeah. I think. So for so Gen we, X, we it's Spielberg. Yeah, for yeah. the Gen Xers, not no, it's it's Tarantino because now he's he's the hot shot in this prime art um, 
filmmaker he's not that old yet where it, it kind of gets weird his films are yeah. kind of weird I, like Scorsese I, I'd say like as he ages I find his films getting a little eh. hard to <laughs> relate to I mean they're still great I'm just like yeah. well the, the the good fellas is, are still better the, but that's the taxi driver days are over for now, for now. So, <laughs> Until he makes for a comeback. The, for, the, yeah. for the Gen Xers, well, Irishman was great, but for the Gen Xers, it's Tarantino. Like, this is the hot shot we're going to be watching for now. Yeah, so I think when you're talking Tarantino, there's no better way to start the list of his greatest films than with his... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I know these guys more, know more about Tarantino than I do, even though I love the guy. Oh, dude. Yeah, um, so his first film, it was an indie film, Reservoir Dogs, which is amazing i just saw it recently uh how do you guys feel about that movie in general before we like talk about details hmm. i like I'll always it. let jappy <laughs> take the it. lead okay, <laughs> have, you seen it? have you seen it me, me? yeah 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 i've seen oh, wait, all of them except, except for uh, jackie brown. brown right yeah well okay uh reservoir dogs i it's not my favorite because I think it's the simplest, but at the same time, mm. it's it's well made because it's so simple. Yeah, but but I'm a fan of lore, so I'm biased. Like I'm a fan of like kind of in, insane storylines. So spoiler alert: my favorite's Kill Bill, but you know I think Reservoir Dogs was one of like one of the best debut films a filmmaker could really get into because yeah. it's it's a cult film now. Like he's so lucky that his first film just so happened to be become a classic. Like it's a small indie film, it's a really low budget, and yet, a cinephiles and not even cinephiles, but like uh, even people who don't love movies know Reservoir Dogs. I think that's the yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, the level of fame it's reached. And Raj, anything you'd like to say about uh, the film in general before we like dive into the specifics? It's not the best Tarantino film for yeah. me, but. Obviously, yeah. that's perfectly okay because this is his, this is Tarantino's debut feature. Yeah. Uh, and it was made with an incredibly low budget, like lower yeah. than the budgets that Star Cinema produces for their films. <laughs> but well, then again, this was. Even if you convert it to dollars, <laughs> it's still lower. Yeah. Whoa, but the damn. The thing that's here dope. is this was made in 1990, or I mean yeah. 1991. Yeah. And yeah. nonlinear narratives weren't popular back then so then you have this absolutely new director on the block and he comes in guns blazing with an incredibly violent film and then the entire independent festival circuit was just like jesus christ now we have a classic in our hands like, so what is this it's so amazing yeah. even if it this? may not be tarantino's best it automatically put him on the map yeah not just in hollywood but in the entire global circuit of cinema yeah and, think, and then if you think about how sorry well if you think oh, about ahead. how his follow-up ended up his follow-up to it was pulp fiction you're just like this guy is a genius and it's only a second film yeah <laughs> so before we Crazy. jump into pulp fiction which you know is yeah, later, arguably later. his best film um <laughs> i think that the great thing about tarantino films which he, he showed in reservoir dogs was that when he starts a movie, he just like pushes you right into the um, chaotic scene to immediately grab your attention. Like that's his thing. I know the first scene was that uh, conversation bit where yeah, they're kind of establishing, yeah. Yeah, establishing the character dynamics where like 
you're showing that Mr. Pink, uh, played by Steve Buscemi, doesn't want to tip. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, <laughs> and he sh- we're showing that um, uh, Mr. White is the type of guy who will defend uh, the average citizen. And th- that was okay. That was like the, the establishing uh, part we needed to see to know who these guys were. But technically, I think we could count the first scene as that scene where Mr. Orange, played by Tim Roth, was in the car bleeding, and we're like smack dab in the middle of a car chase. Well, we don't was really that see the, the very car first chase. scene. It was it was the talking scene, and then the walking and scene then, was the titles, and then boom, we're in the, the, car, the car with the bleeding. Yeah, and, yeah, with Mr. White. And I think that's a great uh, pattern he kept doing throughout his films, all the way through the future films, where um, he starts it with a very like, I wouldn't say uh, jarring, but a very loud and attention-capturing uh, um, scene. And yeah. that's kind of like his films, how his films are as compared to other films. It's, they're loud, they're messy, they're, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say obnoxious, but they're definitely say- not, uh, they're definitely not, not average or anything close to average. And I think that's why Reservoir Dogs, it was like, a great debut film for him because it set a precedent for how his future films were going to be. Like this guy, all his films are going to be like this, as crazy as bloody, and they're just going to get crazier the more budget we give him. So also, it showed us how uh, he gravitates towards criminals as protagonists or anti-heroes rather. So for you guys, like what was the best thing about Reservoir Dogs. Like, without spoiling the ending, we don't want to spoil, like, the major twist for the people who haven't seen it. Okay. But besides that, well, what did you love about it, Jappy? Personally, I'm, I love a good, I love a good uh, whodunit, like a, like a mystery. Like, who's the guy? Who's, who are Because, okay, non-spoiler, but the, the whole premise is the, for the whole heist gang, there's one of them is, is a rat, is a cop. And the whole mm-hmm. time, they'll tell you in the beginning, someone ratted us up. The whole time you're gonna wonder who's the cop so that's one of my favorite parts is that it keeps you until the end where you get the guess and then reevaluate your guesses as you as the movie progresses you're like oh this guy is probably the cop no that's impossible he's he, he did this so okay he's off the list and then the next guy and the next guy, and the next guy and then in the end you still couldn't guess that's one of my favorite parts about it the thing i liked about reserve with dogs is that it immediately established Quentin Tarantino as an idiosyncratic director where he he's not the type of guy who gravitates towards action or thrills mm-hmm. to deliver uh, to to deliver intense sequences <laughs> but there are it's the conversations that carry all of his films yeah uh, we're going to jump skills, right yeah. into kill bill later but even though it may be his uh, bloodiest and most action-packed film, you still couldn't help but get hooked by all the conversations that go on with all the characters. I mean, Reserva Dogs primarily is a crime film, but it's not the action or the controversial violent sequence you're after. It's like what Zappy said, it's the whodunit theme that gets you really hooked until the end. You keep second-guessing yourself. Right with the who done it thing, like, um, yeah. Okay, this guy's crossed off the list. No way, no, he isn't. Oh wait, now with that new information, 
Okay, yeah, he's back on the list. Wait, no, he isn't. So I think that's that's one of the crazy things. Like you keep going back and forth until it's finally like revealed. Well, I was one of those people where I thought Mr. Blonde, played by Michael Badson, was the rat uh-huh. in the entire group because he just comes off as incredibly arrogant and aggressive. But then again, that's the beauty of Reserve of Dogs. It'll keep you second guessing until the very end of the film. Yeah. Come to think of it, all of his films actually have twists. Holy shit, I just realized that today. <laughs> That's the twist for you today, that all his films oh have twists. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a twist. That's a twist. All yeah. his movies have twists. Jesus. So, um, so Reservoir Dogs, we've established that, like, I think it was the um, movie that, if you want to get someone into watching Tarantino movies, it's a great place to start. Like, unfortunately, like I wasn't asking people where's a great place to start when I started watching his movies. I just started. And I bet that's how you guys were too. But like, if someone isn't into Tarantino yet, I'd make them watch this film first so they can appreciate the progression of how yeah. much his films grew throughout the years. So speaking of growth, yes. like, <laughs> this is uh, most probably the most iconic uh, Tarantino film, Pulp Fiction. And... I know all three of us freaking love it. And I think... I haven't seen it. Ha, ha, ha. I haven't seen it either. You're not, I haven't you're seen not it, though. Yeah. You're one of, it's really one of those films that <laughs> everyone's seen it. Yeah. No, one, no one who... Even people Watches who don't films. like film, like, yeah, I've seen it. Or they know of it. They know, they the, know characters the poster. are <laughs> absolutely iconic. Yeah. The scenes are iconic the, the the memes are legendary so there's so much to it especially with jules sam jackson's character i think this this is a landmark film also for tarantino because it's the first time he worked with sam jackson which was the president he worked for, with with uh, a lot a lot of travolta was did bruce willis come back for anything no no, no. but like this is where he got got his golden boy he got he got sam jackson who is yeah. like in Almost all his films afterwards. It's not all. Is it all? I don't know. Does Pulp Fiction only have that one poster with Uma Thurman on the... Probably not. Let me try. But that's the most popular one. But I'm not sure if there there were alternate posters. Right, right. Because usually Uh, with Tarantino posters, there's that one poster that's used for everything. He doesn't usually have like alternate versions. I mean, that's that's what I noticed. If you Google the poster, that's the only thing that comes out. Yeah, it's it's that iconic, that like used magazine type kind of poster, and like pop poster. Yeah, pop poster, basically. Yeah. So why I really like love this film when we're like compa- comparing it to the previous one we talked about, uh, Reservoir Dogs, is I think now he has money, and now he's like more recognized, so he gets to make a film very similar to Reservoir Dogs. See, some people argue it's like, in the same universe even. Yeah. Um, but argue it. I think it, it is. It, it, is? it is. Is it confirmed that? Because like Ve- Vince, Vince, Vincent Vega, Vega, yeah, his her his brother is uh is Mr. Blonde. That's that's confirmed. Like Quentin Tarantino confirmed that. Yeah, I think so. So on that's the time. So does that mean Mr. White is also the wolf? <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. I gotta check that out. But I, from what I know, they just said yeah, yeah. they're related. But I don't know. The wolf could look just look. Just, just they could look be like doppelgangers. <laughs> yeah, and all, you know, it's 
it's Tarantino. It just makes stuff up. So, like, you could even argue that Harvey Keitel exists in that universe and the three of them all look alike. Mr. Wolf, yeah, Mr. Yeah, White. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Harvey I like Keitel. to believe in that theory right <laughs> yeah. there. It, it just brings me okay, comfort. <laughs> I gotta check. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking. Like, somewhere out there, Harvey Keitel has two doppelgangers that are criminals. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's confirmed. They are brothers. But that's okay, so the Vegas are brothers. Like, that's for the sure. The Vegas are brothers. I, I think what makes Pulp Fiction the most iconic Tarantino film is... Like what Jappy mentioned earlier, what he loves about movies is the world building. And even though this mm-hmm. isn't like a fictitious world, like uh, a, like a fa- fantasy world like Star Wars or uh, Marvel, stuff like that, he still created this tone that we weren't completely familiar with before. Like you could argue that a lot of his films are heavily inspired by, by many certain films in the past. But with Pulp Fiction, I can't place my finger on which film inspired it. Like... I could say, and you could like debate me over this. Is it his most original film? Like, I think it's his most original film. This is where I'm very weak because I'm not, I'm not that well watched, well watched, mm-hmm. you know, well read, but for movies, yeah, I'm not that well watched. So I, I can't say exactly if I know if it's based on anything. From the research I've done, I know he's based it on a bunch of uh, Hong Kong and mm-hmm. and French heist films but i'm not sure so you guys what do you think rod it would be um weird to say well i I believe it's also his most original work to date but it Mm. would be weird to say that it's his most original original work because if there's any film in his entire film filmography where he drew a hundred uh pop culture references from not just films, but music and print media. It's this film. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you could say this is his most original work to date, but that's because he borrowed way too many things from way uh-huh. too many mediums of media to create that's this. Made, so. Yeah. That's why, yeah, it, you could say that it's his most original. Yeah, like, but it would um, still be weird to say that. It's that, like that book, Steal Like an Artist. Uh, it said, uh, do you remember the exact quote, Jappy? It said something like, uh, stealing from one person, like that's plagiarism. Yeah, so. But like stealing from a hundred, <laughs> that's how you make great art. Something like that. That's, in, that's inspiration, basically. Yeah. So, you know, I always, whenever people ask me about, like, you know, I, I do art talks. So whenever people ask me about, what about copying? What about plagiarism? Just look at Tarantino. <laughs> Not the best <laughs> example, but. It's it's a way of showing them, look, this guy has made completely original things, paying respect to so many things at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't have to feel like you're copying, but you it does you do show people that I respect and love this piece of art and I'm going to bring it into my own. And that's what he does. So it's yeah. I, I find it tasteful. A lot of people hate it, but I find it he's doing it a great service that I love this and I'm gonna use it for my thing and show everyone. I think the other thing that's so uh, unforgettable about Pulp Fiction is you kind of saw a bit of this already in Reservoir Dogs, but with this movie, in line also with Scorsese's movies, he made crime look cool. Like, it's something <laughs> you want to see more of. I know that's always been a thing, but there's... Yeah. This, love to see more crime. Yeah, there, there's a certain <laughs> thing about Tarantino films. Like, I'm sure and there were like a thousand crime films before Pulp Fiction, but this one made it feel like funky. I don't know if I'm using the appropriate word, but yeah. it made you want to 
it kind of glamorized it's, it in a way, but in a messy way, which I love. It's like that juxtaposition. It's his use of music, which I also see a lot in 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 Scorsese films. Mm-hmm. That you know, they, he could turn completely messed up scenes into fun, exciting things to watch just by music. I mean, uh, if you look at the the violent scene in Reservoir Dogs, if they put mu- uh, tense music to it, you'd be like, oh, this is not fun to watch. But they place they played seventies you know funk music or something, and you're just like oh this is pretty it's pretty fun like oh that's that's so nice. Same thing <laughs> with so nice. Scorsese <laughs> Scorsese films, he's he scores things with with the Rolling Stones, and so you're thinking okay crime is rock and roll that's kind of fun, instead of of it being tense oh crime is this ugly scary thrilling thing no it's rock and roll it's the Rolling Stones. I'd like to follow up a Jappy mm. sentiment by saying that um, Pulp Fiction was the first Quentin Tarantino film uh, I've seen. And mm. I saw it in first year high school. And nice. before I saw Pulp Fiction, all of the criminals I always saw as bad guys, no matter what <laughs> film it is. If you're yeah. a criminal, you're the villain. But then you see Pulp Fiction for the first time and then you immediately think, Oh my God! Why am I rooting for the villains here? Yeah, everyone like cool. You know, yeah, technically everyone is a villain every, in that film. Right, yeah. exactly. But then you have all these unique characters, and you begin to root for each and every one of them just because of how different they all are. Like, it gets to a point where you even forget that what they're doing is just morally and ethically bad <laughs> yeah you completely forget you're like this is okay yeah. this is normal <laughs> i think it's the writing also of course everyone knows like tarantino's an amazing writer but he uh when i i used to research a lot i still do about about him i know he he creates entire backstories for even the simplest characters to ensure that if an actor or actress asks what's going on with this character he can spew out the entire backstory and they can use that to reach in, like, okay, I, this this isn't in the film, but that's the backstory, so I'm going to use it. And the dialogue, right. like, just seems so effortless when they're talking. Like, it's really these characters talking. Like, I especially love the, the dialogue between uh, Jules and um, what's his name, Vincent. Yeah. Vincent. Like, it's so casual. It's like these two hitmen are talking about like burgers, <laughs> like what do you call a, a Big Mac in France. Yeah. And it's believable because why would hitmen like that's the one thing I always question when I watch movies. Don't these guys ever have moments of just being chill yeah, on being the way to the humans, like, like eating food? Whenever I always think, okay, like James Bond, he flies all over the world. What do you think he's doing when he's at the airport waiting for his flight? Or yeah. he's in the plane for, for four hours. But Tarantino shows us, okay, they're driving to the spot where they're gonna shoot up some guy. They're they're talking about Big Macs and stuff. He humanized them basically. So I like that. Like, okay, these people are actually people. Like, they're not just intense James Bond types. They're, you know, they have, exactly. they're like Big Macs. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think that's also what makes these characters so relatable. Like, usually when you see them, like what Jappy said in James Bond films or like uh, previous crime films, you don't ever see the casual side of it. It's like they're just this one dimensional bad guy if they're a hitman. Or if they're criminal, yeah. like they're evil. That's it. And well, even good guys, it's weird. Like, do you ever think, whenever in in the Avengers movies, when they need to fly to another country, do you think they're just sitting around 
doing nothing, they're they're probably having fun. I think the closest that came to that was like the shawarma scene. Like they they just weren't like talking. The, they're just hanging that's out. That's what they would shawarma. probably do while in between adventures. They're like, oh, we have to fly to Wakanda. Oh, that's a twelve-hour flight. Okay, so let's watch movies on the yeah. plane. Like but <laughs> but they do show it with the more comedic Avengers. Like for example. Ant Man or Iron Man. They show like casual that's why, moments. That's why people love those characters. And mm-hmm. I think that translates to Tarantino's characters where you you love them, they're bad guys, but they're just like you and me. They're cool dudes. Exactly. <laughs> I think in a way, you could even guess that Tarantino influenced several Marvel movies, like some directors. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, I, I bet like James Gunn is even slightly influenced by Tarantino. I agree. I, okay, question. Would you guys want to see Tarantino direct an MCU film? And if and if yes, what character would that be? Like, did it have Ooh. to exist already? I mean, does it have to exist already? or, or a Any, like, one? okay. Any character you want him to do a film on, who would you want him to do a film on in the MCU? Okay, yeah. Rako, you go first. You're still thinking? Okay, well, t- top of no, mind. No, 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 because I, I already have an answer, but I oh, want you to I, answer it first. I, I already have an answer too, like, Top of mind, I want, of course, I want it to be a bad guy. So okay. I'm going either Carnage or Venom. Because the, the thing about their movies or their characters in the movie so far is okay, I tried watching the Venom movie and he's still too, like, one dimensional bad guy. He's still, like, too flat of a character. But I want to see more of those casual moments where Venom's just chilling and he can't chill because, like, he's being possessed by an alien. Uh, right. So you want to see his take on this character? Yeah, his like Tarantino's okay. take on a, on a Venom character movie. Yeah, Rod, yeah. what about you? Well, who would you like him to see? To, to answer is would probably be a kind of cliche one, but I want Quentin Tarantino not to take on the entire X Men universe, but I want him to take on Professor X. Like only oh, Professor shit. X. Oh shit! Yeah, dude. That'd be dope. Well, that's interesting yeah, because, because like, I can't imagine him being so fun. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's to be fun. Imagine Professor X's di- inner dialogue. It's not about mutants. It's just like he gets hungry and shit. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting. You have Quentin Tarantino, a director who really banks on conversations, the yeah. human dialogue to bring his films oh, to life. And then you have Charles Xavier who's nothing but brain. Like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. So it'll be a heavy yeah. talking movie. Most probably. Yeah. Uh, but thinking, think, thinking rather. That'd be dope. Yeah. If he, if he directed a first class, that'd be insane. Oh, dude, <laughs> the first class exactly. does kind of have a Tarantino vibe, if you ask me. Because like, it's very, like, okay. Set Math- the 70s. Matthew Vaughn, right? Matthew Vaughn's the Yeah, yeah, Matthew Vaughn. Very yeah. similar to Tarantino. I think Matthew Vaughn, if you'd say, like, he's one of those uh, very, very influenced by, by Tarantino and yeah. guys. Because he also did uh, Kingsman. Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass. You can, t- you can totally tell the use of music the glorification of violence right. um, and the very, the, the scenes of just these guys chilling. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see him direct Luke Cage, but I think that's the basic answer. <laughs> or the Defenders. Well, or that makes defenders. sense. Oh yeah, he could have redeemed that Defenders series. I think, yeah, that's what I would have wanted to see. Like, what if he, he did the Defenders? Like, you have all these characters of different backgrounds. Yeah. Like, you could really make some really interesting, uh, you know, dynamic with with the way he does characters. Actually, based on what I've seen of the Defenders, Jessica Jones seems very Quentin Tarantino, like the treatment of it. 
sure, it gets cheesy sometimes. Like cheesy in a way that, you know how when Tarantino does cheesy, it clicks. It's like, that's so cool. But when uh, other stuff are too cheesy, it comes off as cliche in an off-putting way. I don't know how he does it, but he does it really well. Like Yeah, I get what you're trying yeah, he, to say. But he I, makes, I don't even know how to explain it this way. Well. Right? It's like he makes <laughs> cliche and cheesy look cool. Right. Like, the way he does homages, it's not like eye roll worthy. It's more like praise worthy. I like, think it's his legend. Like, oh my God, yeah. Tarantino did the super cliche thing. What a what a genius. But if other directors do it, like, oh, I've seen that before. Oh. <laughs> but I think regardless <laughs> of you knowing it's Tarantino, if you watch the movie not knowing who Tarantino was, I think you'd find it cool in a way of like, oh, I've seen this before, but this guy knows I've seen it. And so he's doing it in, in a different way. Kind of you like, guys look for the Wilhelm scream in his movies? Yes. <laughs> in all movies, dude. When I hear it in any movie, I'm like, the the sound. I, guy in, I, I look for it in in, uh, in Tarantino because you know it's just funny when he does it. But anyway, okay, let's let's because, let's, let's keep moving. Uh, I think a very important <laughs> element uh, people should know about Tarantino is he is not like some film school graduate. He's like just a guy who loves movies. He, he correct me if I'm wrong, but he worked in a in a video rental store and just kept watching movies all day. And Reservoir Dog was kind of like his gamble into the film industry. Like he spent money he loaned from some friends. It ended up being a big hit. And now we have Tarantino. Just this guy who like really loves movies. You know what they um, say, man. Facts. If you really, really love something, you don't have to go to school for it. Yeah, because like the information's out there. You just have to go you to You learn it. yourself. Yeah. Figure it out yourself. So hey, we've talked about Pulp Fiction long enough. So I think we can skip a few movies before we Are get you to skipping Jackie Brown. <laughs> yeah, we skip. Well, I for one have not seen it. Why do you think Jackie Brown wasn't so iconic, and why is it like a skippable Tarantino movie? As I was saying, because I know you guys both haven't seen it, so let me, let's just make it quick. But I think it's uh, the dialogue. Well, I know he tried to write around it. It's a adapted screenplay. So it really moves in more of a, I wouldn't say generic. It's really just your run-of-the-mill movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, officially known as black exploitation, I believe. But it's really more of your, your kind of crime noir movie because it doesn't have that, the, the kind of nuances that you, that you know Tarantino's famous for. Um, all the weird, funny things that you, know, you just wouldn't think of putting into a movie like this. They don't happen. It's really... The movie happens, and that's it. And I think that's why a lot of people would skip over it. Personally. Like I, I didn't even know it existed personally until I researched Tarantino's films, Jackie Brown. Like, why have I not heard of this? Although it is like as a film, it's you know it's good. It's just when you're looking at Tarantino films, you're not you're not gonna be like that's the most Tarantino film there is. That's that one film that no one actually recommends. Like, it, it's just <laughs> coincidental. Like, there's no meaning behind it, but. None of my friends have ever recommended uh, Jackie Brown to me. So it just occurred that I grew up and until now, that's that one film I haven't seen. Well, I do admit I have to see it sometime soon. Out of respect for... Out of respect for Tarantino. That's also why I saw this one and Death Proof because I thought, well, as a fan, you know, as a respectful fan, I guess I I should see it. But after that, I'm like, yeah. I, I want yeah. I want to see Death Proof though. I mean, I read the synopsis. It sounds pretty cool. It it has two parts, right? Or the other one is not. He didn't direct the other. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm re- I'm reading it right now. 
Yeah, it's part of a double feature. Yeah, it's a double feature, so, but he didn't write and direct the next one. Oh, are we talking about Death Proof? Oh, no, 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 I'm just like uh, breezing through it because we, we brought it up. But anyway, so Jackie Brown, uh, short and simple explanation why it's not as iconic. He didn't really write it. And I guess that's why he, he had to hold back a little bit with directing it. Because yeah. you know when you write something, you can go all the way with directing it because it's exactly as you envisioned it. But when yeah. you're adapting it, it's kind of like hit or miss. You have to pay respect to the, to the source material. Yeah. But also, you have to put in your own flavor. So I think he, he was held back. That's what I think. I don't know about like what other more credible people would say about it. But that's how I found it. When I ended it, I was like, okay. That was okay. I was looking for Tarantino. I didn't find it. Okay. So it's, when you watch it, it, it doesn't have those usual Tarantino cues. Like, does it glorify violence? Does it showcase uh, food? It's actually the, less vi- the least violent. Okay. Um, which is, the only funny part is that Robert De Niro's in it and he's a stoner. Uh, Wait, so what's it about? What's the uh, synopsis for the film? Like, one-line synopsis. Um, if I remember correctly, okay. If I remember correctly, Jackie Brown is a flight attendant. Okay. And she basically smuggles in, um, she smuggles drugs from Mexico or South America to the United States. And then... Uh, Sam Sam Jackson's character is kind of the dealer, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. It's one of those. Okay, well, from what I remember, she tries to get out of it by stealing the drugs and then running away, uh, stealing the money from the drugs and running away where Sam Jackson can never find her. Um, and that's it. I think that's the plot. Like, I need to get away from this guy. So the the Tarantino ness about it, I guess, is that it's revolving around. People who are not good people. Yeah. So well, I, I guess it's I don't find like don't like find all of Sam his films. Jackson. Like all of his films. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the Tarantino like signature thing. I don't find Sam Jackson like interestingly. I like I like him in this one. He's really just oh he's the bad guy. It's not like one of his best performances. No. It's not where you see the bad guy is actually the cool guy. This one's yeah. like good guy bad guy. In his latter films, I think the distinction between bad guy and good guy is more like. Anti-hero and villain. It's, there's no yeah. hero, really. Okay, so Jackie Brown. Uh, we will watch. Rod and I will watch it out of respect for Tarantino one day. But the next film, or the next couple of films rather, are, to my knowledge, uh, Jappy's favorite Tarantino films. So you want to have the privilege oh, I of. Well, you oh, skipped I, over Death Proof. Death Proof is in 2007. Mm-hmm. Before it's it's after and really it's 2007. Yeah, that proof that proof comes after Kill Bill. I always, yeah, I always so, forget. Without without further ado, Kill Bill. Because <laughs> I can't believe like Death Proof came after Kill Bill. That's how much I don't like it. Oh, it was it was kind of like a oh anticlimactic thing. What you you like it, Rod? I like I loved it. I love you love <laughs> Death Proof. <laughs> Maybe it's one it's of those my favorite pleasure one, kind but... of films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you I guys think... like want to talk about? Death Proof first before yeah. we jump into Kill like, Bill. Okay, uh, yeah. sidebar, Death Proof sidebar. If you want to sell yeah. the movie to us, Rod, now's your time. Yeah, Death Proof is an exploitation thriller. Actually, it's Quentin Tarantino's definitive exploitation film. Define and, exploitation thriller. Um, for those who don't. God damn it! I'm gonna have to research on that for. Anyway, in, in layman's terms, in layman's <laughs> terms, based on what you know. 
exploitation is any film that has you know like lurid subject matter okay and like those really weird genres okay fine this is my layman's term for it okay. when when okay. i hear exploitation film it's any any niche genre that's being exploited from nine, 1960s and 1970s grindhouse films so you could just immediately say this is not mainstream cinema oh, okay yeah okay. and death proof gives wonderful and glorious homage to grindhouse cinema back in the 60s and these are theaters where they just keep on repeatedly showing these i wouldn't say super horrible but like c-class action thriller porny type films yeah. <laughs> And they're, and they're called grindhouse theaters because they really have to keep pumping out these showtimes to people who don't have enough money to watch mainstream films with expensive tickets. They're basically glorified B-movies. That's what they are. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or lower than B-movies even. Lower than B-movies. Yeah, That's okay. the perfect term for it. Anyway, so, you know, I, I don't want to give an entire review on what Death Proof is, but I want to tell your listeners why I love this film. And it's okay. because of yeah. the entire Grindhouse experience, this double okay. feature that Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez made, right? It's Death Proof double build with Planet Terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was some random weekday. I, I was free from work already and I, me and my friends watched Grindhouse in a horribly built home projector setup, which, if I may add, added to the It's more accurate. Uh, the experience is more accurate. <laughs> like, it was a, like a standard quality projector that's just 1080p and it projected on a white wall. So since it's already a 1080p copy, it became even more horrible. Or is it so even like just, 360p? Because like, you know those cheap projectors yeah, yeah. who are like, they're pixelated. <laughs> yeah, like the entire films became washed out. Yeah. So you watch that film and then you start with Planet Terror. It's the Robert Rodriguez film. And it's just this incredibly balls-to-the-wall zombie film where, I don't know, it's the funniest zombie movie I've ever seen in my whole life. It's, it's just flat-out stupid. There's no are, other are they connected? Are, are the two films connected? Like, Or are they just in the same universe they're, or something like that. They're in the same universe and they're connected by little Easter eggs, but their plots are incredibly different. Okay. Uh, Planet Terror is about this rundown town. Uh, that's, a girl with a, shot, with a gun on her leg, right? Yeah, yeah with a shotgun yeah. on her leg. And it's being plagued by zombies because of some biochemical military subplot that doesn't even meld... Oh man, like, I want to watch it. I, you guys yeah. selling it really well. <laughs> yeah, it's That's dude, there. it's one of the best yeah. films I've ever seen. Like, you you go on Letterbox and it doesn't have great reviews, but I myself gave it a four point five just because of how much I love the stupidity. Right. Maybe so it's anyway, one of those. It's one of those where you have to like forget about expecting a good movie. Yeah. To appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. You go into that film and then in, within the first ten minutes, you you already tell yourself, "Oh, this is not a smart film," but I'm <laughs> loving it. 
Oh my god. And you know how Tarantino like cameos in his films? I just googled Planet Terror and it said his role is rapist number one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Wait, Planet Terror is not his film, bro. But like he 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 can't he, he was he, he involved helped, in any way or he helped uh, Robert Rodriguez produce and write the film and he also stars as this rapist military. Ah, he's guy. a producer, he's a producer. Yeah. 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 Not director or writer. Okay. Yeah, so so that's Planet Terror. Uh, we so that, that concludes that our further. sidebar, yeah, on Planet Terror and uh, <laughs> his grindhouse like uh, adventures. So back to Kill Bill. Okay. <laughs> I think what makes Kill Bill also one of his most iconic films is the fact that it is possibly his most gratuitously violent film. <laughs> Although I'm not there for the violence. Yeah. I really just love the characterization. Um, so personally, it's my favorite film because of the the entire world he built in which, you know, if you know the premise, um, the bride, the bride character is seeking revenge on her former assassin mate. So they're bad. They're bad people. Yeah. Uh, for As usual. For basically <laughs> trying to murder her at her wedding. Mm-hmm. And just every story built into each character, whether it be as grand as as Oren's story, or as small as as uh, what's her name, as Vernita Green's story, you just like he wrote stories for everyone. You could tell there's probably pages and pages and pages of writing for each character, and that's what I love the most. He just created something that you could really expand infinitely yeah. if you really wanted to. There. Kill Bill is actually the second Quentin Tarantino film I've seen in my life. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to be very honest. Um, I was in second year high school and the reason why I wanted to watch it in its entirety was because I was in Gateway. I was in whatever that appliance store was called. And I was <laughs> waiting for my parents and then they were playing this Kill Bill Wait, clip. Kill Bill? Yeah, yeah, they were playing in an appliance store. Yeah, an appliance store. I'm not. Dope. It's not it a scarred me for life. That's why <laughs> I could never forget the story. So I was waiting for my parents, and I was watching the TV, and then we see the bride yeah. going head to head with um, what's that name? Uh, is it Lu- what's, what's her name Lewis again? Character? The one? No, the one with the, the, the eye nurse? patch. The nurse. Damn, I forgot her name. Uh, the nurse with an eye patch, basically. I forgot her name. Okay. Was that Darryl L Driver? Ha- I think that's L Driver. L Driver, that's your, that's your yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were what they were showing in the appliance store was that the nurse costume. No, the fight scene in the trailer park. Oh man. Oh, that's trailer so Yeah, I love that scene. Yeah, yeah. And then at it, a at an appliance store. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm not what making appliance this up. store is this? <laughs> the one next to Taco Bell in Gateway, whatever that's called. I hope their manager's tuning in right now. <laughs> Whoever was manning your store in 2010. Um, You're doing it right. You, <laughs> you introduced Chef Rod to Kill Bill. Congratulations. So they, I watched the clip and then the clip ends with, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it yet, with the bride plucking out L Driver's <laughs> one eye. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a major spoiler. It's not like... Best part, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a spoiler to one of the scenes, but yeah, it's a beautiful ruin the movie. part. Yeah, yeah. 
So I see that and I immediately freak out because, you know, you're like a 14-year-old young kid and that's the first time you see some highly gruesome, uh, violent content right there. Yeah. So the very next day, I made sure to watch it so I don't get scarred for life. And then <sighs> I immediately get introduced to the bride's beautiful world and mm-hmm. the rest is history. Yeah, man. I like how Kill Bill is this wonderful mix of martial arts films yeah um sp- do you call that spaghetti horror films spaghetti thriller films it's the first time i'm hearing um, of this term i know they call it italian horror italian horror why yeah, is it yeah, italian yeah. horror i have yeah, no idea why they call it <laughs> is it made in italy or something is it like a reflection of italian cinema um, i'm searching i'm sorry italian okay, horror okay. films are <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, it's just a style, I think. It's okay. a style. Of, yeah. Like spaghetti westerns are westerns that were produced in Italy because that's an actual thing. Okay. That's yeah. what they call spaghetti westerns. So I think it's the same thing as this where it's just a style of, uh, of horror films. Okay. So it's like, like a subgenre. Eastwood got start in spaghetti westerns, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh, you violent, mean like the cheesy the cowboy style. films? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were spaghetti westerns. Oh, right. Uh, that's what they were doing in... What's that called? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Time. Well, yeah, yeah, they, they flew to Italy, right? Yeah. Westerns <laughs> weren't cool. Westerns weren't cool anymore in the States. So they right. Italy. And right. that's why you have a lot of Italian names connected to Westerns, like uh, Sergio Leone. Is that his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Ennio Morricone, Morricone. Because they're actually Italians who did Italian Westerns that became popular in the States. Oh, okay, so it's kind of like Condol- those... condolences, by the way, to, uh, to yeah, just uh, the one and week, only right? Master Morricone. Yeah, yeah, he recently passed away. So oh, I, d- I didn't even know. Yeah. yeah, the guy who made yeah, <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, is that anyway. or Once Upon a Time in the West? I don't remember the title, but I know, I know like he made he made that scene. What, what I love about Kill Bill, because, okay, to share my experience too, if Rod saw it in a, 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 an appliance store, the reason why I watched <laughs> Kill Bill was because I knew I wasn't allowed to watch it. And my parents, Ooh, my parents had the DVD. Kinky. <laughs> my parents had the DVD. And it was like 2005 or six. I was like, it was all the hype with the adults because my younger cousins were too young for me to play with. So I usually hung out with like my titos and titas. So they were all about Kill Bill. Like it was the movie to be crazy about. Like their ringtones were the whistle from Kill Bill. So I was so curious about it. I hate that that tone though. It's annoying. The, the, the whistling? Yeah. So because of that, one night when my parents weren't home, me and my siblings all watched Kill Bill. And we were like so scarred by the violence. But my parents never found out. So, mom, if you're tuning in right now, we watched Kill Bill that one night. You and dad went out. Uh, well, well, well. <laughs> and that, that explains was... a lot, Rocco Ruiz. <laughs> it wasn't the only film because my dad has like a collection of these violent films, and me and my siblings would really s- sneak into his like DVD closet a lot. So, um, that's partially why I'm so messed up. Um, so, with with yeah. the, it was the first Quentin Tarantino film I've ever seen, actually. Like, because of this, and also because my dad has this huge Pulp Fiction poster in our house, like, ever since we were children, uh, I also watched that next, just out of curiosity, because we were exposed to it. And 
I just like immediately, even if I, I was kind of scarred by the violence, I love the style, like the blood squirting out, like so unrealistically, like when the top of that one character's head gets chopped off. Remember that scene? Oh, that's that Oren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to say the name because of spoilers. But like, okay. Oh, but it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. People won't remember my the name. New bad. viewers won't remember. <laughs> and also that scene. The Japanese the, one. <laughs> that scene in the Japanese restaurant. I I love that scene. Like, it it's that scene that made me want to finish the whole movie. And beautiful scene. Also, I love how it's two parts. It it didn't originally. It wasn't originally supposed to be two parts. They were supposed yeah. to just cut long. it short. They were supposed to cut it short, but Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino said, "No way, I'm not no cutting this movie." No can do, sir. Yeah, just make it two movies. What yeah. star power, right? Yeah, just say, "Hey, no." <laughs> and the way I nope. see it, because if their concern is make it shorter, so there will be more showings and more people will watch, send, hence more ticket sales, you'll get more ticket sales with two movies. Like, yeah, of course. So it was like a win-win. Like he kept his vision, and they earned more money. So that was like a, a genius move. Yeah, Kill Bill being a two films. Could I yeah. just slightly interject that the yeah. last time I saw Kill Bill was five years ago, and I'm trying to keep it that way because five what? years ago, Quentin Tarantino presented Kill Bill as the whole bloody affair that it is. Oh yeah, the the whole four-hour movie. Oh, you yeah, mean as he, one movie? Yeah, yeah. he okay. presented both films as one movie. It's called Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair, and he screened yes. it in the New Beverly Cinema, which is at mm-hmm. over Hollywood. And I was did you um, see it there? You went there? Yeah, there, was dude. Incredibly insane. fortunate to see the film along with other diehard. <laughs> Tarantino yeah. fans. Were they like cosplaying in the outfits and stuff? They, yes, they were cosplaying and they were screaming every other minute at like every Tarantino callback. I'm what like, yo, I, I am like the most low core fan in this entire theater. Was he there? I would wear that schoolgirl outfit. Yeah, Tarantino was there. <laughs> He's oh, the one who shit. opened the, the showing. So you've come in contact or you're at, within the same like I don't know, uh, 20 meter diameter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Tarantino. <gasps> and Tons we breathe fa- the same air as Rod. <laughs> so that means... No, no, like tons of fanboys were swarming all around him. So I didn't even bother trying to okay. get a picture with him. But still, dude, but, you were in the same room. Yeah, but... As that funny, legend. Yeah. Jappy mentioned that this is his most favorite Tarantino film. And I just want to let you know, man, that I think this is the most definitive way to see Kill Bill. Not in oh, yeah. its um, split type version. I've seen, Where, I've downloaded, I've downloaded the full version. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, best yeah, yeah, yeah. experienced as this entire epic of a film. Just four hours of the bride going on an absolute bloody rampage because David Carradine trying to try to fuck her over. Wait, am I allowed to say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's not a major spoiler. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I just not spoil the ending, but like you can talk about anything else, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Come to think of it, is this Tarantino's longest film to date? Well, if you if combine you them, both. yeah, yeah. Right. Combine, of course, if you combine them. But I think. But if you if, if you don't, 
I it's think the Once Upon eight, a Time, right? Or yeah, yeah Hateful Eight, the or Once eight. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which one's longer? Uh, I'm actually not sure. The Hateful Eight felt longer for me, because you no, know how. No, for me it was Once, Once Upon a Time. It felt longest. I think that's the slowest burn Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because Once Upon a Time, you're just following the story. At least yeah. in Hateful Eight, which we'll get to. But yeah. in Hateful Eight, it's another, uh, it's another murder mystery. Yeah. So they also presented that way in the first, like I think that the marketing was like, who's lying? And then so from the beginning, yeah. like you're intent on finding out who's lying. Um, unlike in Once Upon a Time, which is I think my second or third favorite. It's just, you're just following the life story of these guys and you're waiting for something to happen. I was just going to say like Once Upon a Time felt like the shortest Tarantino film for me. I don't know. Really? I really love, yeah, dude. Yeah. I really, it's not my favorite, but it's the second best Tarantino film for me. Like, yeah, wow. no joke. I think I need to rewatch am, it then. I am really in that minority because I understand that it was universally panned. I, I didn't believe. love it. I didn't love it. I was oh, like, yeah, yeah. I love the performances. <laughs> I love Leo and Brad Pitt, but like, no, I loved it. I loved it. The the movie. Like, I remember after watching it, I messaged Jappy right after, and I said <laughs> if it felt kind of long. <laughs> like the movie no, just wait. felt. It felt so long. Like. The the climax was the only part where it gets like Tarantino, Tarantino, yeah. <laughs> I liked it when I watched it the second time. Like the second okay. time was like, oh, this is beautiful. And I haven't first, seen it the second time. Like, oh, I have only you seen messaged Jappy and you were just like, yo, what the <laughs> hell is that? No, but I but I lo- I liked <laughs> it. I enjoyed it. Like it was a satisfying movie. But like compared to his other movies, where it's like blow after blow of action scenes, you right. know what I mean? Right. It was like so if a, you a watch, I think you have to watch it the second time when you when you already know it's gonna happen. So you have, for me, that's what happened. I watched it the first time, and I was in New York when the <laughs> day it came out. So I was like, "Yes, let's watch it." And then after, I was like, I was so confused. Like, what was that? Uh, I liked it, but what what was that? And then I think <laughs> the next week, I said, "You know, I'm gonna give this a chance." So I watch it again, and I was like, "Oh, this is is actually." Much better than you think. So it's that second viewing that you need to fully appreciate yeah, the film. Yeah, because once at the end, when you get to the end and you realize, oh, it's really just about these characters. There's nothing mm-hmm. really special going on. Because they marketed it as the Manson murder film. Yeah. So the whole time you're watching, you're waiting for the Manson murders to take place. But when you, when you watch it over... The first time, you're like, oh, they never actually happened. The second time, you're not waiting for the murders to happen. You have more reason to just sink into the stories and the, the acting and everything. It's a Brad and Leo film. Yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of like they're playing themselves. Yeah. In a way. Like, the they whole are, time you're I, waiting for it to be a murder mystery. Yeah. Or a murder. But you're, second view. Yeah, like, like, when it gets there, you, you're expecting way too much. And then I think that's what made people disappointed and underwhelmed when they yeah, realize yeah. wait what the heck is this like it's not about yeah. that it's not about yeah. Manson it's a background detail like the main thing is really these two guys it really is a love letter to the golden age of yeah. Hollywood that's what it really is and that's what I loved about it because that's the first feature film I've seen where you really breathe in the life of what it was like to live in Hollywood in the late 60s and early 70s. I mean, like, way into 
into the older films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're talking about the latest one already. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. But, okay, no, 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 me too. I got really into it. I mean, before we continue, uh, unfortunately, we're all really busy people and I don't want to keep you guys uh, busy with this any longer. But we will continue this to our listeners. This is just part one of two. We're going to pull a kill bill on you guys. Um, yeah. I, like volume two. I like that. Yeah, we're going to have a volume. Oh, I, I think I should title the podcast Volume One <laughs> and Volume Two, just as an homage to Kill Bill. That'd be dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going to cover Tarantino's other films in the next episode, which is Inglorious Bastards, which is like one of my personal Tarantino favorites, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and more on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, all right. W- without further ado, uh, if you guys want to like, Plug in any anything for the the listeners right now before we sign off. Um, happy? Stay indoors. Wear your masks. Uh, Damn stop right. Stop going out. <laughs> stop going yes. out. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, stop going out, guys. It's the most stupid thing you can do right now. Like I'm, I'm so pissed. Like I'm like going through ID stories. I'm oh, seeing, I'm seeing people like on dates like oh, yo, in dude. restaurants for no, real for i'm sorry real. rod if, if you've done that i'm so, have you done that i'm sorry no no, no i have <laughs> okay. never gone out of the house okay. dude same same I, no, I, I, no i've gone out I'm, of the house strictly for work but i've yeah, not got to the point but where i, I go out yeah. and hang out with friends yeah i mean put it on ig stories jesus christ i'll when, send you guys uh one of my friends okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean if your freaking waiter looks like he's ready for a nuclear holocaust. You do not want to eat at that restaurant. Like I, I, I don't know if that's enough of a discouragement for some people, but they're acting like the pandemic isn't like, right? Is, isn't like an all-time high right now. But anyways, before I don't like we, people, yeah, it's okay. you're saying Jappy? No, no, no. You, you can have one final remark. Okay. Well, first, I just don't like people who are like, well, it's my. I just gotta get out of the house at least once or twice a week. Like, why? No, you don't. <laughs> Exactly. Like, what do you do? Oh, I bought milk tea. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yo. The grab guys Man. are laying their lives on the line so you can have milk tea and not go out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it for uh, today's. Uh, may, may I plug something? Oh, yeah, real sure, quick? sure. Sure, Rod. Yes. Okay, I'd like to plug uh, episode 10, season finale of Jappy Days Live. Yeah, go. Oh, Be sure to. <laughs> Catch it on <laughs> Jappy Lemon's Instagram Sunday, oh, guys. Yeah. 2 p.m. And July it's, 26. It's the last one. I'm not sure if this will come out before Jappy Day. So to those listening, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least they'll look back at your episode. He, he has them saved anyway. On his guys, subscribe to Recreate on YouTube. Oh, my Woo! God. The funniest shit. Chef Rod's <laughs> on it. Dude, like, like you guys heard Rod here as a normal person. But wait till you see his alter ego. Chef Rod which is on, which is, which is rare. Chef Rod's on on Recreate. You guys gotta link. Uh, gotta subscribe. To rare it. for the public eye, dude. Like, <laughs> if, if anyone's listening who hasn't seen a Chef Rod video yet, it's like the best stuff on Recreate. It's what made me want to watch the other Recreate videos. Oh so yeah, that, that's it. Like, if you wanna, it's, it's the Kill Bill. <laughs> it's the Kill Bill of Recreate. Goggle. Chef Rod is the kill bill of recreation. Okay, so yeah. so that's it for part one or volume one rather of our Tarantino talk. Tune in for part two. Uh, God knows when that's gonna be, but there's no rush because, like, dude, we're gonna be stuck indoors for a long, long time, anyways. <laughs> for real, though. 